Rusty Quill presents. Welcome to Ain't Slayed Nobody. This is an actual play podcast intended for adults and may contain material that some people find disturbing. Please see the episode notes for content warnings and listen with care. If you found our show from Graham Patrick's guest writing on episode three of the Magnus Protocol, you might want to start with one of the campaigns he wrote on. Y'all of Cthulhu, our first ever season, is a complete horror campaign in the Old West. Next, we have Bleaker Trails, which is in the same setting. That has one complete season, and the final season is coming late in 2024. And if you're looking for something shorter and science fiction, we have a six-episode Blade Runner series. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you around. Our Discord is slade.me discord. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. 
where is everyone, Mr. Corbett? We haven't seen a soul all afternoon. Oh, it's Bleaker's new attraction, isn't it? Hey, you! Bleaker, is it? Yes, gentlemen? We have tolerated this funfair long enough. Funfair? Boys, please! Beyond that tent flap lie marvels and horrors like you have never seen. This is our turf! What could you possibly have in that tent to compete with our new code? (laughs) Well, your goods are the finest quality, but we keep secrets like the door word locked away. Door wood? What would I do with a door? Wait, Mr. Corbett, uh, go on, Professor. What is this door word, then? (laughs) I wouldn't spoil the surprise. You have to join the Patreon posse at patreon.com slash ain'tslayed to enter these vaults of horror. For as little as $5 a month, you can stay and feast forever. I've got enough. Uh, You know, I think we sold enough books. Yeah, we could get in. Excellent. Please step inside. Boy, we was next. Who's that? What is this? Some sort of fucked up Santa's grotto? Ah, newcomers. How lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't Slayed Nobody is a Call of Cthulhu podcast with violent themes and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, I'm Scott Dalwood, the Keeper of Arcane Law for today's Descent into Darkness. Cup tells me you're called the Wolfpack now. (laughs) How perfectly delightful. I'm here to introduce you to the Meat Trade, a nasty little scenario I wrote for World War Cthulhu London, which I'm now running on the Ain't Slayed Nobody Patreon. As of now, we've recorded 15 sessions and released 5 episodes. We've decided to share this first episode on the Ain't Slayed Nobody public feed as a tasty little morsel to tempt you. Rena Henzi, Graham Patrick and Cup are the players, and this episode introduces the setting and the characters, along with a nice bloody slice of action. While we think this episode stands up on its own, we also hope it entices you to join the Patreon posse and follow the rest of this campaign. Sign up at patreon.com slash ain'tslayed. So, without any further delay, prepare to enter the meat trade. This takes place in March of 1941, 
and it takes place primarily in the East End of London. Now, London at this stage has been under attack for about six months. The Blitz has been in full effect. So, from a Londoner's point of view, the Second World War was weird at first, because war was declared in September of 1939, and then nothing really happened for about a year. I mean, troops moved out, there were a few battles, but on the home front, it became known as the phony war. People just thought, oh, okay, well, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fuss about nothing. And then, in late 1940, the Germans started dropping bombs. They started doing bombing raids. And since then, the bombing raids on London have been pretty much nightly for the last six months. They've just become part of the fabric of life. Everyone's life has been shaped by this experience. You all know people who have died, been injured, lost homes, lost businesses. And the devastation is multifold because what the Germans tend to do, I mean, this varies, I mean, they shake things up because obviously you don't want to become predictable in your attacks. But the usual pattern is they'll do a bombing run at night and they'll go over with the first pass and drop incendiary devices. So these are small bombs, like cylinders with magnesium cores that drop and burn hot, and they're really difficult to put out. You can't throw water on them because the water just reacts with the burning magnesium. You have to have buckets of sand to put those out. And these obviously start fires. Then with the second bombing run, they tend to use those fires for targeting for high-explosive bombs. So, it is absolutely devastating. And like I say, this has been happening night after night. Sometimes they choose specific targets, like on the first night they went after the docks, primarily. But other times they'll just target civilian populations and drop bombs all over the place. And the East End in particular has been a primary target. So, for those of you, like our three investigators who are living in the East End... This is just part of life. And there are all sorts of ways that the government has tried to protect its people and mitigate against this. For a start, there are blackouts. So every night, there is no artificial light allowed. So the streetlights are out. If you drive a car, you have to have the headlights hooded. You have blackout curtains in the windows of all the houses, so no light comes out onto the street just to basically make it harder for the Germans to spot population centres. It helps, but you know, it obviously hasn't saved everyone. But it does mean that navigating around London at night time is quite dangerous. Not least of which, because people quite often get run down by cars because they're driving around, they can't see the pedestrians, the pedestrians can't see the cars. Well, the other way that people protect themselves, and this is directly feeding into this particular scenario, is air raid shelters. So when the sirens go off, you find the nearest shelter. Now, people quite often have air raid shelters at home. They might have one of their garden, like an Anderson shelter. They might have a favorite place they go to, like the local pub quite often will have the cellars set aside as an air raid shelter. There are public shelters, 
and we'll get into those in a moment. And recently, the government has opened up a number of tube stations, deep tube stations, that people use to shelter in as well. You can buy a ticket that basically lets you sleep on the platform overnight. Recently, there have been a number of other shelters that have been built around the East End, which are these above-ground shelters. They're a bit like the shelters that have been built in some tenement buildings and public areas around people's houses, in that they're, they're sort of half in, half out of the ground. You'd climb down a flight of stairs to go into them. They're not completely buried, and they won't survive a direct hit by a high-explosive bomb. Then again, a cellar and a pub probably won't survive one either, so... It's mitigation. The main risk you have in an air raid is from flying debris, and it will protect you against that. So on this particular day, on Friday the 14th of March, 1941, your characters, for reasons we may get to in a moment, are out and about in Whitechapel. And the air raid has come early today. You've been caught out. Normally they come fairly late at night, but... It's early evening now, and you know you were on your way somewhere when the sirens went off, and you've had to seek the nearest shelter. And the shelter that you're going to is one of these above-ground shelters in Whitechapel. It's a fairly new one. And the shelters are no one's first choice, because apart from anything else, because their relative accessibility, people tend to use them as public lavatories. Sometimes sex workers basically use them to service customers. Yeah, they have a pretty poor reputation. On the other hand, it's better than dying. <laughs> so with that, shall we go around and introduce all our player characters? Do you want to go first, Rena? So I am playing Irene Novak. Uh, her real name is Irena, so she's half Polish, but she changed her name to the more English acceptable Irene when she moved out of her parents' home and started off on her own. Uh, she is an artist. She has a, a modest flat with a flatmate, and she spends a lot of her time painting, sculpting, taking pictures, which is how she ended up working for the war ministry at the moment, because she got recruited to do basically propaganda. So she paints pictures, does sketches. She goes out and takes pictures of, you know, London at work during the war to boost people's spirits and, and all that sort of thing. She's fairly unprepossessing height-wise. She's about five foot two, so she can slip in and out of places fairly easily. Tends to dress like a man for the most part when she's out and about because heels and skirts Really not accessible for places when you've got rubble everywhere and you need to climb over things and sometimes jump over fences when people chase you off their property. And she's got wavy red hair from her Irish mother, bright blue eyes, and she's always carrying a camera and a sketchbook with her. And that's actually one interesting factor of the uh, effect of the Second World War on the home front, which is that it is beginning to break down traditional gender roles, that women more and more are doing men's work, that fashions are becoming more practical. So while Irene may have stood out a couple of years ago, now not so much. Right, Graham, how about you? Okay, I'm playing Cyril Baxter, who is a fairly out-of-luck greengrocer. Uh, his shop and house has been recently bombed, so he's now making use of uh, his allotment, uh, his shed and his allotment as his main abode. 
Cyril still goes out uh, selling his uh, fruit and veg, selling whatever he can get his hands on as a way of supplies, taking his cart around the doors of the bomb shelters and uh, going past his own house all the time or what's left of it each day. Cyril probably stands there and um, looks at where it used to be and uh, has a couple minutes talking with his old neighbour and then he goes on his way with his uh, with his horse Shank, uh, his only companion left in the war. I say times are pretty tough for uh, Cyril, so he's been hiring some children to pull up other people's vegetables as this uh, gardening for Britain lark has uh, created a sharp decline in his sales. So there aren't too many people buying his leeks anymore and uh, they're making do with their own yards and gardens, growing their own greens as it were. So he's hired these kids to steal their vegetables and he's selling them back to the households uh, on his <laughs> cart. Uh, that's uh, that's Cyril in a nutshell, really. Okay, and then finally, Cap, who the fuck are you playing? Hello. Oh. <laughs> a soon-to-be-dead man. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a brave gambit for a character who is being introduced in the middle of an air raid. <laughs> Hello, I'm Bert Sweeney. I'm a barber, and <laughs> I. Why oh, are you asking me to introduce myself? <laughs> you sound southern. Oh God, <laughs> southern London, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. It's north of the river, you twat. <laughs> Look, I'm going to try it, and then if I need to ditch the accent after the intro, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not this is not South London. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> Hello, I'm... <laughs> it's worse every time. Bert Sweeney. <laughs> I'm tall. Uh, I can't do it. I'm just going to do my normal voice. I can't do it. Thank God. <laughs> I had it in the car. <laughs> I think I'm just going to give myself a little bit of a, a gruff uh, American accent and, and play it that way. <laughs> I, I'm Bert Sweeney. I'm a barber. I, I'm, I'm a tall, gangly man with unruly hair, blue eyes. And you may, you may have noticed I walk with a limp, which is going to be very helpful in an air raid. Uh, <laughs> I have a, a right leg injury due to a bayonet wound from the Great War. And I'm I'm just trying to keep everyone feeling normal and looking nice during the war. So I'm I'm continuing to give everyone in the neighborhood haircuts. I you know even in the shelter I've given a, a gentleman a haircut at one point. Uh, I have a beautiful wife, Mary Todd Sweeney. Not a fan of the theater, obviously. Uh, <laughs> two sons, Timothy and Alfred Sweeney. They're both on active duty in France. So I carry a family photo. Think fondly of them, just remembering my own times in, in war, uh, just praying that, that, that they return safely. My best friend, Bill Higgins. Yeah, I, I can always be found at the pub with him. And I, we're just trying to survive. Mary and I are doing the best that we can just trying to get on with our, our ordinary lives to the extent we can. I always carry my ivory-handled razors in case I uh, need to kill something. Uh, no, in case I need to give <laughs> give someone a shave on the fly. Uh, yeah, due to my experience in the Great War, I actually won a, a medal of distinction that Rena and I discussed the name of at length, and I can't remember. Um, 
the military medal. Yes, I won the military medal. Uh, and so I'm competent with a 32, which I always carry with me, Scott. Uh, the razors <laughs> and the 32 have been established. Uh, okay. And, and that's, a, that's about it for me. I think people regard me as a cheerful man. I'm affable. I'm charming, obviously. Uh, drink a little too much, uh, which I, I've actually had some drinks before this air raid. So we'll see how things go. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have announced that. No. And Scott's making a note. Yep. I am. Uh, so that's it. I feel much more comfortable not trying. Hello. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, by me, Governor. Lord love it. Hello. <laughs> oh. I didn't think you could get worse than Dick Van Dyke, but here we are. Yeah. So um, so we'll just do the best we can with, with my kind of normal voice. <laughs> okay. By the way, just from my point of view, Bill Higgins, are, are you happy with him being the landlord of the Baron Swan? Because it just strikes me that having a pub that the three of you can retire to when you want to compare notes and so on probably kind of helps. Yeah, Bill, Bill is the landlord, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, as I said, it is early evening on Friday the 14th of March, 1941. And you are all independently in the Whitechapel. It sounds like Cyril has probably been out and about selling fruit and veg off the back of his cart. Irene, I, you've probably, I guess, been scouting for things to photograph and draw and perhaps been doing a bit of work just around the area today. I, what, what's Bert been doing out and about on the streets of Whitechapel today? Oh, Bert left the pub recently, so he's walking home. Okay, good. <laughs> Have you noticed the more I play these games, the dumber I get? <laughs> <laughs> and you are passing by, one, or at least close to one of these public air raid shelters, these new ones that have gone up. When... As luck would have it, well, not good luck, the air raid sirens go off. It is, as I said, a bit early in the day for an air raid. I Normally, the Luftwaffe wait until it's full dark, and, you know, fairly late at night. But it's not even really properly dusk yet. And yet, you know, here we are. And you know from personal experience that, yeah, I, this may not be the best air raid shelter you can find... On the other hand, if the bombs start dropping soon, the biggest threat to your life is flying debris. And if you don't find shelter soon, you might not get out of this. So I'm uh, sitting on like a low stone wall at one place. I'm taking a sketch of something, maybe a, a house. The house is bombed out, but the garden is still in full. You can still see trees and, and mm-hmm. everything. The garden's untouched. In the midst of death, there is life kind of nonsense. And I'm making a sketch of this when the the sirens go off. So with very practiced ease at this point, my sketchbook goes in my satchel and I jump off the wall and start running for the shelter. Okay. I I would have already established where the shelter was in my Mm -hmm. connaissance of this area just to be safe. So I know exactly where to go and I just take off running. Yeah, and so the shelter is a fairly low brick building. I mean, it's not as low as it looks at first because, like I say, half of it is built underground. It's got a flat asphalt roof and a whole flight of stairs, concrete stairs, that goes down to a metal door. 
and I, it is fairly new, so the door doesn't creak as you open. And inside, there is just, well, as you've seen many times before, a fairly unadorned brick interior. There is an oil lantern that's hanging up, so you can use that for light, even when there's no electricity. And there is a bucket in the corner that you know all too well what that's for. <laughs> but from the smell of the place, you know, it's either the bucket has been used fairly recently or people have just been pissing on the concrete floor, as they are wont to do. It, it has that ripe smell. So I'll find the driest corner that I can find. And then, again, with practice D's, I pull like a small blanket out of my bag and fold it up and put it down so I can sit on it. There, there, there are two <laughs> benches. There are benches along the, the long walls, uh, low wooden benches. I mean, they're not the most comfortable things in the world. There certainly aren't cushions on them or anything like that. But I, That's what the blanket's for. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, you, know for, you know from experience that if you have to, you could probably sleep on one of these, but it depends how crowded this gets. Speaking of which, the door creaks open again, and uh, I guess Cyril goes in. Yeah, Cyril's heard the sirens, he's not too happy, uh, so he's got a dilemma. Uh, he's got Shank outside his horse. Mm. Uh, how big are these doors? Can he get Shank inside? No, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get a horse down the steps. <laughs> Damn it. So, uh, he'll put Shanks maybe in a place where maybe she can get some protection from some trees or anything nearby and you'll grab all the most expensive vegetables from the back because uh, some bastard's going to steal them. Yeah. So he's going to come in with harmfuls of leeks and potatoes and carrots and uh, maybe some <laughs> celery too. He's going to push the door open with his back and then turns around holding that sack full of veg, throws them down in a corner and uh, he'll sort of miserably slide down the wall taking in that urine smell <laughs> uh, an old friend from these air raid shelters oh yeah and yeah I mean, you see that there is already someone sitting on one of the benches there in the the gloomy light from the old lantern which I, I, I'm assuming you've lit the lantern because that's probably fairly habitual yes. as you go into these places mm -hmm. I'll give her a smile and uh, say come here often hi <laughs> huh well, this is my first time in this particular establishment. Uh, I like what they've done with the place. Just sort of looking around sarcastically. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't be too long, I suppose. Couple hours. Hopefully not. Yeah, I, it's difficult to tell with the air raids. You have to shelter, really, for as long as the sirens are going off. And it could be a fairly short run. You could be here for the night. I Irene pulls a little flask out of her bag. Says, <laughs> thirsty? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's very kind of you. Can I offer you a leak? <laughs> <laughs> They've got those in the bucket. <laughs> They're not my favorite vegetable, but I haven't eaten today, so I wouldn't say no. <laughs> ah, nice try, isn't it? Oh, I'll take the drink and uh, give you a leak. <laughs> okay. Right. The door opens up again, and another figure comes in. So this would be Bert. 
Bert had a decision to make. So when he heard the air raid siren, his first thought was that he should run home to be with Mary and make sure that she's taken care of. But he's a little bit drunk and his limp (laughs) becomes more exaggerated when he's a little bit drunk. So he thought that it probably it's a a bit of a walk because he doesn't go to the closest pub. He goes to his favorite pub and he he just kind of made that did that calculus and decided that his best bet was to take shelter. So he's going to very slowly walk down the stairs with that drunken limp and uh, and just try to find the spot on the bench that's closest to the center of the room, if he can. Okay, yeah, yeah. The benches, like I say, go down the long walls on either side. So, you know, sitting in the center of either of them puts you fairly close to the middle of the room. Okay, yeah, so he'll park in the center, but he'll he'll notice... Cyril and and Irene and and give them a nod and say, oh, this one's not too bad. Uh, How do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, running for my life, hiding in this bomb shelter. Going great, I'd say. Good. Is that a leak? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Uh, Thanks to, thanks to, uh, sorry, what was your name? Uh, Cyril, Cyril Baxter. Greengrocer. This marvelous greengrocer here has offered me some fresh produce, so. (laughs) Well, well, nice to meet you. I hope it won't be a long visit. (laughs) False alarm, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. That's quite early, isn't it? Yeah, I don't want to stay here all night. My my roommate might get a little little anxious. Let's, uh, Let's hope it goes well. Irene's pulled out a, her sketchbook and has started doing a quick caricature of, of Cyril. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll give her a winning smile. Uh, I kind of a uh, crooked uh, one with uh, some, uh, <laughs> some broken teeth. <laughs> the door to the shelter opens up again, and this time there, there's two men coming in. One of them is a fairly heavily built, I mean, not that tall, but fairly solid-looking man, probably in his 40s. He's got slick back hair, he's wearing a heavy overcoat, his face is in a scowl, and he's accompanied by a much younger man who looks like he's late teens, early 20s, who is... Uh, he's got almost movie-star good looks. He's got his hair brill-creamed back. But he's he's following behind the other man. You, you can see he walks with an even more pronounced limp than Bert does, the younger man. As, you know, he's, he comes down the, the couple of stairs inside the shelter, and he seems to be struggling a bit with those. He's saying to the older man, All right, Barry, but tomorrow, tomorrow, we, we can do more than just luck around size of bacon tomorrow. There's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's all the interesting stuff you do. I mean, we, we've got to be able to do some of that. I mean, there's, there's more to life than just meat, isn't there? <laughs> and yeah, the, the, the other man just seems to be ignoring him. <laughs> Well, now I could do with a slab of meat myself right now. <laughs> she winks and nods at him. Oh, he, he, the, the young man gives you a, a dazzling smile and says, All right, darling. <laughs> uh, just pat the bench next to me. Oh, he, he, sli- he slides on over. He says, Oh, don't mind Barry. He talks a mile a minute, does, does old Barry. And the, the other man just <laughs> sits there and glowers at both of you. By the way, give me a spot hidden roll at this stage. Okay. Is that just Irene or everybody? 
Oh, well, all of you, actually. Oof, no. <laughs> Uh, Cyril fails miserably. He's too busy getting some potatoes out to offer with the, the meats. <laughs> Jeez, I failed too. Okay. No, no, no. That's fine. We don't see anything. Yeah. No. We all rolled 80s, like in, in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. 86, 86, 83. Is it possible for, for Bert to stand up and, and limp toward them and push that roll? Like get real close to oh, them? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. He wants to f- try to figure out why he's got a worse limp than he does. It's almost jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> and I failed with a 76. Okay. So as he, as, as he go over, uh, basically to try to get the sus of these two new uh, men who came in, you sit down next to the older guy because obviously you know, the younger one sat next to uh, Irene. And he does not seem happy about this. He, he just turns around and looks at you. And you can see just undiluted hatred and hostility in his eyes. And that's the point at which you realize you've seen this man around the East End before. This is Barry the Hatchet Connell. He basically is muscle for one of the, the local gangs. And, yeah, I mean, the reason he's called Barry the Hatchet is probably fairly (laughs) self-evident. They call me Bert the Razor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you, you reckon that there are an awful lot of bodies around London that owe their demise to to Barry. And, yeah, he he is just looking at you like he wants to add you to his tally. (laughs) Oh, uh, d- didn't mean any offense. Just, just wanted to d- d- say good evening to you, gents. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to scoot back over here to my part of the bench. Uh. <laughs> he doesn't say anything, but he just watches you as you, you scoot away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the, the younger man who's sitting next to Irene says... Uh, Anyway, darling, what's a nice girl like you doing in a shithole like this? Oh, you know, Germans. Yeah, oh God, they're the worst, aren't they? They're the worst. The absolute worst. Personally, I like a better class of air raid shelter than this. Give me a nice pub, one where they've taken the piano downstairs and you can have a nice sing-along all night on the old Joanna and oh yeah. But but this, oh, I don't know, I don't know. You deserve better, he says, patting you on the back of the hand. Irene has just sort of put her arm up on his shoulder, like kind of, mm, tell me more. <laughs> and uh, like, so uh, where do you usually shelter at a time like this? Maybe I can uh, drop by the next time there's an air raid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You- the character background for this, I, his his trait, his main trait is shameless flirt. So you two are made for each other. The shelter's getting steamy. <laughs> Don't know where to look. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Bert's just staring down at his razor now. He says, well, darling, you can find me most nights at the shoulder of mutton. Ooh, now that sounds like a marvelous place to be. I'd like to see your shoulder of mutton. I don't know. It's 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 a bit of a rough old place, but yeah, you, you tell him Davy sent you, and you'll be all right. And he gives you a little nudge in the ribs. Mm. Davy, that's a marvelous name. So, what brings you down here? Yeah, not dying mostly. Ah, uh, yes, that'll do it. 
At this point, the door opens up again, and there's someone else coming. This is a woman who... Well, you don't know how old she is. She looks fairly haggard. Her hair's graying a bit. She's quite tall. She's wearing what looks like a man's greatcoat, possibly a military coat. She's got a, a fairly big leather handbag over her shoulder. She, she's quite pale and sweaty. She's, she comes in and, and looks around and then just comes down the stairs and sits down quietly on the end of one of the benches. You need something there, ma'am? I just sort of peer around Davy a little bit. Again, give me a spot hidden roll. Are you holding out a leak as you say that? <laughs> no, that's more that's more Cyril's business than mine. I thought you might be gnawing on it still. Ouch. It's not a it's not a fumble, but it's not good. 96. <laughs> I do not have 96 spot hidden. <laughs> okay. I actually I mean, the the two gents could also give me a spot hidden roll if you want. Jesus, 90. Oh, boy, 90. Oh, my God, two 90s. Oh, nice. Bert actually, when he saw her coming down the stairs, he started to try to get up to help her, but he's too slow with his limp. So she was already down and seated by the... So he's kind of like in between trying to get back to his seat now. Yeah. As he's going to take a real successful look. With a 38, that's a pass. Yay, finally. Regular, regular success. <laughs> Okay, yeah, you notice a couple of things then. As well as the the greatcoat, I mean, she's wearing what look like old military trousers and boots as well. You notice that, obviously, with the war going on and, and rationing and interruptions to water supplies and so on, people don't smell quite as fragrant as they might have done before the war. But even then, there's a bit of a nasty odor to it that yeah you 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 think I mean it smells yeah it smells a bit like well it smells a bit rotten as she's kind of putting her bag down her her sleeve rides up a bit and you reckon you can see tattoos uh, on her arm under her her blouse or shirt but you can't quite make out what they are I think Bert's going to be intrigued since he has the military experience. So, and he's friendly, so he he doesn't mind injecting himself into awkward conversations. So, <laughs> noticing that, he is going to say, "Evening, ma'am. I I couldn't help but notice the the trousers and the boots from the Great War. Did your husband serve?" He did. She says her voice sounds a bit shaky, and she doesn't sound like an East Ender. She, uh, from her accent, uh, yeah, may- maybe Londoner, but she sounds a bit posher than the rest of you. Which uh, unit? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how the UK military works. Forgive me, sir. I, I don't really feel like making conversation at the moment. I understand. Uh, she opens up a handbag and pokes around. And she pulls out this this glass bottle. It looks like a green glass, maybe apothecary's bottle or something like that with a cork in the top. And she pulls out the cork. There's, again, a nasty smell coming from this. this. And she puts her finger inside and comes out with a dollop of something that looks like maybe Vicks. Uh, yeah, just simply this, this white ungent. 
and just starts rubbing it around her eyes. All right, then. Let's just try to stay safe. Uh, if you need anything. The razor's not out, by the way. He's just... <laughs> yes. Let's <laughs> put it back before he stood up. She nods and actually looks at you properly for the first time since coming in and then looks away. Yeah, I was going to ask Davy about his bacon. Uh, he was He was talking about bacon when he came in, wasn't he? You remember there was a butcher's shop just down the road from where your greengrocers used to be before it got bombed. And uh, it was run by a guy called Eddie Graves. And you think that you've seen this this man delivering meat to him before. I'll, uh, I'll try to get his attention away from Irene, who's holding his eye. <laughs> uh, it, is it Davy? Ah. Uh... I overheard you uh, when you came down talking about a bit bit of meat, something like that. He tears his attention away from Irene reluctantly and looks at you and says, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm in the meat business, yeah. I think I remember you from Eddie Grave Shop, the butchers, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know Eddie, yeah. Right, thought I recognised you. I just, uh, just see if you wanted to do, you know... Take your meat and add my potatoes uh, everywhere, round in the wagon, and uh, we could do a bit of business, a bit of trade, like. Oh, there's there's no money in potatoes, is there? No, we, we, we're ju- <laughs> we're just we're just in the meat business. Uh, right. Uh, well, I, I don't go around insulting your products, but but that's all right. Look, I'm I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> Spuds are great. I, I fucking love spuds. I, but honestly, you know, compared to the money we get for, you know, a bit of under-the-counter bacon, there, there's no black market for, for spuds, is there? Irene leads forward at this moment and goes, you've got potatoes? <laughs> oh, I've got potatoes, yeah. You gave me a fucking leak and you have potatoes? <laughs> I'm half Irish, half Polish. Give me the potatoes. <laughs> uh, sorry, ma'am. I didn't realize. I, I would murder for some potatoes right now. <laughs> some nice raw spuds. <laughs> While they're having this conversation, this woman is looking around very carefully at each one of you. I mean, you can feel her gaze burning into you. Well, that's rather rude. Can I help you with anything, madam? Would you, uh, would you like one of your own leeks, as it were? <laughs> and, and I mean, she 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 looks at you carefully and then just goes, but yeah, look, looks over at Davy instead. Ah, oh, uh, I see. Uh, the mate's getting all the attention today. <laughs> Bert's just gonna—he's—he's he's kind of isolated now, right? Back in the middle of the bench. It sounds like most mm. people are down toward the ends. So he's just gonna look down and mutter to himself. Should have gone home. Fucking <laughs> loons. Yeah. So basically, yeah, you're sitting between this woman and Barry on one side and the others are sitting on the other side. The woman at this stage gets up and stands in the middle of the room. From somewhere off in the distance, you can hear the all too familiar sound of a bomb going off, a high explosive bomb exploding somewhere. The air raid has begun in earnest. There is a slight shake and a bit of dust falls down from the roof, but the woman doesn't seem to notice that. Irene's got a rosary in in one hand, and she's just sort of 
reflexively just sort of holding on to it, and she's she's muttering Hail Mary full of grace under her breath, as if she doesn't quite believe it, but anything's better than nothing in the middle of an air raid, looking around nervously as the dust falls. Yeah. I mean, the woman from where she's standing in the room now, in the light from the oil lamp, looks around and looks around now at Barry, a rather meaty-looking man sitting on the bench. There in the flickering light from the, the oil lantern, the woman reaches into her handbag, pulls out a very large revolver, and then just fires six shots into Barry. Even in the sound of the air raid sirens going off and the bombs going off in the distance, the sound of this large revolver going off in this enclosed space is deafening. Davy has gone from being flirtatious to terrified almost immediately and is just diving onto the ground. Uh, What are the rest of you doing? Jesus, Mary and Joseph, and I try to... (laughs) <laughs> Pull up under the under the bench if it's the kind that has a space underneath or if it's built into the wall. I'm going to try and squeeze myself under it. Yeah, it's a freestanding wooden bench with with uh, metal mm. stands, so you you can just about squeeze under there. Yeah, I think I'll dive for cover and go. Holy shit! What the fuck was that? Get her! Someone get her! <laughs> and what's Bird doing? Fuck Bert's backstory. Um... <laughs> 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 I think Bert is actually going to. She fired six shots. You said, "Yeah, it's 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 a revolver." She's she has probably emptied it. Yeah, yeah, she's emptied it. So he's uh, Bert's going to try as fast as he, I think this is going to snap him into sobriety to an extent. So he's going to limp as quickly as he can over to her and just try to restrain her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then yeah, give me a fighting brawl roll. Oh fuck. This is going to go great. Ooh, I rolled a 16. <laughs> oh, nice. Which you do have fighting brawl. is a regular success. I don't think I want to spend four points of luck to make it hard success. <laughs> yeah, as she sees you diving towards her, she's, I mean, she's not trying to hurt you or anything like that, but she is just going to try to push you away. Okay. Uh, so she'll fight back. Um that's an ordinary success for her. So you, you got an ordinary success as well. So you were attacking, so you succeed. So you barrel into her. Uh, so what, what are you doing? Trying to pin her down on the ground against a wall on the bench? What are you doing? Yeah, I think that, yeah, uh, not trying to get her to the ground necessarily, but maybe just like holding her back down seated on the bench so that she doesn't attack anyone else. That's his main concern. Well, you pull her back down on the bench where she sits down fairly hard, you know, enough to knock the wind out of her for a moment. You feel, you know, as as you're grabbing hold of her hand and pulling her down, that she's really quite clammy and sweaty like she's badly ill. And then from the other side, from the body that she just shot, you hear a strange growling sound. <laughs> there is a blur of movement as Barry, or at least... What the last time you looked was Barry launches himself at at Grace and I guess indirectly at you as well. You can see as you're kind of looking past her now in the flickering light that his face looks horribly wrong. 
His, I mean, it, it is distorted. His eyes are now glinting red in the flickering light. He seems to have this big mouth full of teeth that you didn't notice before. Sharp, pointed teeth designed for ripping flesh. The hand that he's bringing up seems to have doubled in size and has got large claws coming out of it. And... Yeah, he just brings this claw down and rips into the woman sitting next to you, tears into her, and there is a gout of blood and she screams in pain. What are you doing? I'm rolling up another character. <laughs> yeah, Let, let's, ha let's have sanity rolls off everyone first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel. I passed. Ooh, I passed. Okay, so Cyril loses three points of sand. So, yeah, I, th I think sort of involuntarily you just push yourself further under the bench. I mean, it, uh, you don't mean to, but you just kick Irene in the head and, you know, the process of trying to get yourself deeper under this bench. Where, uh, I mean, not enough to do any damage, but you know, there is now a boot mark on the side of Irene's face and possibly a bit of horse shit. You owe me a potato for that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, now Rena's going to kill his character. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like the only person in a position to do anything immediately is Bert. <laughs> yeah, I'm regretting that I didn't get the gun out earlier. Th this thing that, you know, a moment ago was, was Barry the Hatchet is tearing into this woman. What are you doing? What's closer for me? Going up the stairs and out the door or getting under the bench away from this thing? Getting under the bench. I mean, but, I mean, under the bench isn't going to provide you much shelter. There's also the fact that running outside in the middle of an air raid is probably going to get you killed. I mean... As I mentioned before, you know, the main thing that these air raid shelters do is they protect you from flying debris. You've heard high explosive bombs going on out there. Right. You don't fancy your odds much if you do run outside. Okay. I think I think what Bert's going to do is he's going to start to get his revolver out and load it as he backs away as quickly as he can. Okay. But But kind of trying to push himself into a corner of the room so that at least he knows where this thing's coming from if it attacks him. Then I'll tell you what, give me a dex roll to see how oh, well you can fumble these bullets into your gun <laughs> as you're yes. backing away before this creature. Rena, you really got me this time. <laughs> He's got 30 dex. <laughs> 67, that is a fail. I'm not going to push that. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, at this stage, I mean, your hands are shaking from just the shock of everything that's going on your ears oh, are yeah. still ringing <laughs> there is blood now splattering across the the concrete floor of the shelter there is another huge explosion now from outside this bomb that just went off was much much closer than the other ones you heard uh, and you're trying in the flickering dim light to get your bullets into the revolver and your hands are just shaking too much the first time you've just missed second one you, you've managed to get one bullet in there and this thing, dripping blood now, its face is distorting, its jaws are now jutting out of its face. 
and it is looking over towards you, its red eyes just gleaming in the light as it starts to advance towards you. I, I, I can't believe she shot you. What a bitch. Uh, <laughs> I, I was going to put another bullet in her. Um, uh, holy shit. Uh, we're just trying to shelter here. Uh, we don't mean you any harm, sir. <laughs> yeah, the, the creature seems very unimpressed by what you're saying. And... If you're just sitting there trying to talk to it, it's going to try to eviscerate you. Okay. Yeah, I think that was the first <laughs> thing he was going to do, was just try to talk his way out of it. Yeah, this isn't really a talking situation. But actually, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. What I will say is, if you're trying to baffle it with bullshit, mm -hmm. to at least buy yourself a bit of time, I will say, yeah, you can make a fast talk roll just to oh, see whether you can buy yourself time for another attempt to get some bullets in. That would be fast talk, wouldn't it? I'm I'm the base at that. Um, Sixty fail, big fail. Okay, so yeah, it's it's all about the evisceration at this stage. So what are you doing? <laughs> but I didn't even keep the Cockney accent. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I'm gonna try to dodge uh, if it's coming to attack me. Okay, yeah, yeah, you can try rolling out of the way. Oh my god, my dodge is atrocious. I forgot it was based on dex. Maybe I should fight back. Yeah. That seems I, stupid uh, as well. Bear in mind, I, I did say you managed to get one bullet in the gun. Yeah. So I'm, I am assuming I don't have time to aim. I'm just... But if it's coming close, I can get a shot, right? It's a gun. You've got the plus 50 on the dex. You will have time to get one shot off before it jumps on you, if that's what you want to do. Yeah, if it's, like, coming within grappling distance of me, I'm going to try to shoot it in the belly. Okay. Then, yeah, you get a bonus die on this roll as well, because it's point-blank range. I feel like this is a conspiracy between you and Rena at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 49. Ooh, two. So, 29. That's a regular success with the 32. Then, give me a damage roll. A one. Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Oh. Oh, dear. Okay. The, 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 the bullet smacks into it, and it just looks down at this, this other bullet hole that matches the other six that's in its abdomen and looks back up at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> is, is anyone else doing anything, or are you just watching Bert get, get taken apart? I would uh I'd like to throw a potato at this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh okay. it's all I have for improvised weapons. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we're going to go with that. I, the, the the other thing that you have that's close by that you could potentially throw at it that might do a bit more damage is the bucket of piss in the corner. Oh, uh, that's good thinking. Uh yeah. Wait, isn't it right next to me? <laughs> Would you rather die, Cub? <laughs> right, I'll spy that bucket then, and I'll, I'll scramble out from underneath the benches, and I'll, I'll grab the buckets, and I'll hurl it as hard as I can at the pair of them. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, give me a throw roll. Come on, lucky 100. <laughs> oh, God. 88. 
Well, that's not good. Yikes! <laughs> okay. In the midst of all this, is after you've shot this creature and it's coming towards you, getting ready to tear you into bits, suddenly you're just showered in stale urine. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> I'm helping. I, I, I'm helping. Uh, <laughs> is, is, is Irene doing anything? <laughs> it's up to Rena. Uh, can I try to brain it with my electric torch? You certainly can. Oh, oh, I'm going to spend luck. I'm going to spend luck. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to spend nine points of luck on that because I don't want to die in the first session. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, it's going to try to grab the torch off you. It fails miserably. So, yeah. Gi- oh, thank God. So, yeah, give me a damage roll on this. It's a two. Okay. I love <sighs> that your, your flashlight does more than my gun. <laughs> 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 so you bring the torch down on the back of this thing's head just as it's bringing its claw up ready to tear into Bert and something goes crunch in the back of his head and this huge body just topples forward lands on Bert pinning him to the ground but goes still wow <sighs> I'm just standing there, like, holding the torch, and my hands are shaking. I'm just like, Davy, you are a gorgeous man, but you are fucking useless. <laughs> <laughs> am, am I going to take sand loss for killing something? No, I think, given the fact that okay. this is very definitely not a person, no. Okay. Help me. Could you uh, help me roll this thing off me? I'll get up and I'll... I'll roll it off you. I'll just say, uh, oh, you're, you're welcome. And I'll give you a hand and get oh, you up. Oh. <laughs> I'll try my best. I think I distracted it for you. Yeah, you might want to work on the throwing. <laughs> um, well, thank you, miss. That was a hell of a thing you just did. You... <laughs> yeah, Irene's just sort of standing there, like, clutching her torch, just, like, looking at the, the I assume, blood and... and brain matter on on her torch oh there's no brain matter on there but yeah there's a bit of blood so yeah just to sort of set the scene for where you are at the moment there in the flickering light of the lantern there are basically two bodies on the ground there is this Mm -hmm. thing that bert is now crawling out from underneath that is still dressed in the clothing of barry connell but it is very definitely not Barry Connell, or at least not. It doesn't look anything like the man who walked in here. It's hairless. It has this very sort of canine cast to its features. It has claws. It has big teeth. It has beady red eyes. Hands the size of dinner plates. There is also the body half slumped on the the bench and on the floor of the woman who came in who is there in a pool of spreading blood from the wounds that she took earlier. Davy has crawled out from under the bench and is dusting himself off and slicking his hair back again. As I'm looking down at this thing, does it look like anything I've seen before? Hmm. It's... it's vaguely familiar but not quite the the bodies that you saw in the wreckage before 
There was something similar to them, but they didn't look as completely inhuman as this. They still looked like people. There was just something wrong with them, but this isn't a person. Irene is just kind of struck by how odd this thing is, and so she's just not even noticing what's happening around her. She's pulled out her sketchbook again, and she's making a sketch of of this creature as quickly as she can, just in case something else happens that destroys it or or other people come in. She wants to have this documented for later. It's It's just so interesting. Davy limps up behind you while you're doing this and says, yeah, 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 don't, don't worry, darling, I'll, I'll keep you safe. You're useless. <laughs> uh, just waves a hand distractedly. <laughs> uh, and keeps, like, just, she's, like, kind of crouching down a little bit. She doesn't even notice there's a bleeding woman on the ground behind her. She's just, like, crouching down so she can get, you know, the, the curve of the nose and then, like, the any features on, on the, the inhuman face and everything just muttering to herself about how she would love to sculpt this thing. <laughs> sculpt it? Ah, oh, you're not right, you. That's that's a bit grim, isn't it? What about some nice flowers? Something to cheer the place up a bit. No, no, there was a, there was going to be an exhibit. She like sketching on on uh, like fairy tale monsters and, and things and this this would fit right in. Like right in. It's not fairy tale though, is it? It's real. Look. Have you ever read fairy tales? They're they're just bloody awful. They're dark and and this is just it might be a real fairy tale, but it it would fit right in in the Brothers Grimm sort of exhibit that that I'm, oh, and she's just <laughs> prodding it, prodding the chin a bit with her with her pencil, and then just oh, <laughs> don't touch it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'll walk over to the woman and I'll give her a prod and see if she's alive. Okay, yeah, you you check her out, and yeah, she is alive. You're not sure how long she's going to stay like that. As well as not looking very well, she's now lost a fair bit of blood from the attack that she had a moment ago. And, yeah, she is not in a good way. She could definitely do with some first aid to stop her bleeding out. I'll uh, I'll try and put her guts back in. Uh, uh, no problem <laughs> at all. I'll just start scooping. Uh, <laughs> it, it's all right, miss. I've got you. I don't... Uh... Oh. <laughs> can Bert watch this happening and try to help and push that role with a first aid uh, by uh, maybe trying to like tie a coat around the wound to stop the bleeding yeah yeah by all means okay because my first aid's not bad but of course the last one I pushed I wasn't bad at either (laughs) Jesus I failed (laughs) okay I, so, yeah, you try, you push, and, and she just seems to be getting weaker and weaker. I mean, you're, you're fairly certain that, you know, unless you get her to a hospital fairly soon, yeah, she is a goner. Bert's going to look up at Davy and say, you mind telling us what happened here? What is this? How the fuck should I know? Well, it's your friend. I am. I don't know what happened to him. I, I yeah, I, I've, I've been going around with him for the last few days. I, yeah, I'm supposed to be learning the ropes off him, and he's he's been, uh, yeah, he's been. I don't know, just really weird. He he hardly talks to me. He 
every time I, I do anything, he, it's just wrong. And he, oh, he's, he's such a git. And, and, and now he turns into a fucking monster. Jesus. Bert's going to look at Cyril and say, you, you want to try to help me get this lady to a hospital in the middle of an airstrike? Well, I've got, I've got Shank outside. If she's still there, we could get her on Shank and uh, get her to one of the hospitals. They're probably busy, but, you know. As you say that, there is another almighty explosion outside, and this time the entire structure shakes. There, there's more dust coming down from the ceiling. You can see as well that there's a, a hairline crack that's forming in the uh, the concrete floor. Oh, fuck, we can't. We can't leave yet. I'm not going to sing Les Mister. I won't do it, Scott. You cannot <laughs> entice me into doing that. But I think kind of like uh, almost holding her hand for comfort. This is my theme. Can I kind of hold her hand for comfort? Can I sneak a look at those tattoos I noticed? Oh, sure. Just to try to figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Give me an occult roll. Oh, shit. I'm not good at that. I don't think any of us are. No, I'm not using that much luck in a campaign. Uh, I failed. No, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of strange symbols there, but you're not really sure what any of them means. Though you're fairly certain that there's one of them that you can see just on her left arm, on the back of her left arm, that looks a bit like a swastika. Okay. Hmm. She sound German to you? No, don't think so. Okay. And and Bert's going to kind of hold her hand up, showing Cyril, since we're both right there at the, the swastika. Well, this isn't a good day. That's uh, uh, that's one of those German things, isn't it? Actually, I'll tell you what. But, I mean, both of you could give me an education role on this. In fact, I mean, uh, Irene could as well because she's part of the the same conversation. Oh, I pass. Okay, yeah, the, the swastika that on, that's on her arm is the other way round than the German ones you've seen. It's like the mirror image, and you know you, you've seen some of those round London before, uh, you know, dating back to before the war. That yeah, you know, before the symbol got co-opted by the Nazis, it used to be quite a common good luck symbol. It's a. Uh, it's actually not what you think. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's uh, Asian in origin, uh, something like that. Yeah, it, it's for good luck. Oh, well, she... Not for her. Not for her. Irene looks quizzically at Cyril, <laughs> the greengrocer, who knows about Asian symbols. <laughs> <laughs> you pick stuff up, don't you? <laughs> Can I check out Davy and see if his demeanor fits what he's saying? Is he telling the truth? Do I think he's being honest? Yeah, give me a psychology roll. <laughs> we are not rolling well. <laughs> I failed that quite badly. Uh, he's, he's a nice guy. He looks a bit nervous, but on the other hand, it's an air raid. Someone's just been shot. Someone else has just been, you know, murdered. Someone's turned into a monster. You know, if he didn't look nervous, there'd probably be something wrong with him. Is Irene sketching through the last explosion? The one that cracked the floor? 
Yes. Okay, I think that's going to be alarming to Bert. So <laughs> just laser focus. He's not going to like walk over to her, but just kind of still down with, I think you called her Grace, still down with the woman on the ground, going to look up toward Irene and say, what What are you doing? Why are you drawing? It's interesting. I, I have to document. Document what? Are you, what are you? I, I draw things. For who? <laughs> well, people who want to buy drawings and paintings and sculptures and things. People don't want this shit. Well, not people like you, anyway. She just sort of rolls her eyes. <laughs> All right. Fucking <laughs> maniacs. Uh, okay. Uh, what do you want to do, sir? What was your name? My name? Uh, Cyril. Cyril. Okay. We can't leave now. I don't think your your horse probably... Well, never mind. Don't. No. No. She's, she's quite lucky. Uh, <laughs> she'll be all right. Uh, I'm sure the fates will look out for her. <laughs> It'll be all right. I'm sure. I'm sure she's. I'm sure she ran off and avoided any harm. Oh no, she could do that. I tied her to a tree, so she. Uh... Oh fuck! What? <laughs> She'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are we just gonna wait this out? Well, unless you've got a better idea, going out there with all the flying bits of debris and all that. And this fine miss is having a whale of a time sketching that abhorrent thing. We should probably also tell somebody about this, she says, <laughs> as she's shading in some of the lines under the face. I know this woman's a hero. She tried to kill the monster, but I'd like to know how she knew that this mm-hmm. wasn't normal. Mm. And as you say that, I mean, you're looking around the the air raid shelter and there on the ground beside her body is her handbag which has fallen to the ground and you can see that little green glass bottle poking out of it why don't I search her bag see who she is yeah you do that uh, miss if you could look away for just a minute I think Bert's gonna he wants to slash the throat of the monster just to make sure it doesn't come back to life sure because she just hit it with a flashlight, right? With a torch. So I'm not trusting that it's actually dead at this point. <laughs> so I don't know if she looks away or not, but he's going to get up and kind of pull the head back and try to cut the throat with his razor. Ah, what are you doing? It's, I don't know what this thing is. You, you I, We shot it seven times and it didn't die. And then you hit it with a flashlight with a torch and now it's dead. Doesn't make sense. So I'm just making sure. Maybe I'm just that good. <laughs> is there any... So, you know, Bert's killed some people. Is there anything weird about the way this thing bleeds out <laughs> and when he does that? No. In fact, from the the way it doesn't spurt, the blood doesn't spurt, you're fairly certain that it was dead. Um, okay. Well, assume, assuming that its blood supply was the same way as human ones, that, yeah, I mean, you, you're making sure, but you're fairly certain that, yes, it was dead. Okay. Well, well, that may have been unnecessary. Kind of clean it off on his pants there and put it back in his pocket. I'll search this lovely lady's body in her purse. So, yeah, you find a few things. I mean, obviously, there is that green bottle which was poking out, which looks like it's half full of this sort of sticky... Yeah, like I say, it looks a bit like Vic, so a sort of thick white paste. 
There's a number of loose shells in there as well that look like they're uh, for her revolver. There is, of course, an ID card and a ration card, which everyone has to carry around. There's a gas mask in there as well, which everyone has to carry. The ID card identifies her as Grace Daggett and gives an address in Islington. And the other thing in there is a little black notebook. Is there anything in it? Yeah, there is. And if you give me just a moment, if if I'd been smart, I would have had this ready. I'm going to give you a handout. I'll look at this and I'll uh, I'll show the others. I, I think she was some sort of assassin. Assassin. Is this is this like an <laughs> assassin's list? I've heard a bit. I've read some books. Hit list. Yeah, something like that. I, I finished my sketch once he, you know, slit its throat, so I stick my, my sketch pad back in my uh, bag and I'm looking over his shoulder at the uh, at the list. I'll look at the list. Didn't he say his name was... I don't know the name Barry yet, do I? Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you heard Davey mention him as, as Barry. Yeah, so I'll point to Barry's name on it. Look, it... It's that bloke, isn't it? It's that one. And he's pointing at the monster. Davy's looking over your shoulder at this as well. Uh, and says, Oh, fuck me, I know some of these people. Oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Regan, he, he, he works with Barry. Um, Ronnie Shepherd. Ronnie Shepherd. Oh, shit. And Desmond Welch, yeah. Uh, I mean, Welch, Welch, he, he runs, uh, he runs a builder's yard, doesn't he? Yeah, I know, I've seen the name round. Uh, Ronnie Shepherd. oh God, yeah, th- this is bad. This is bad, he says. I mean, if there's a shepherd on the list, oh, I, uh, why, why, why do you think, why do you think she's going around shooting, you think... I, and he points at the creature on the ground and he says, what, what, what does that mean? Does that mean that, that Ronnie... And just as he's saying all that, there is another almighty explosion. This bomb is much, much closer. The entire building shakes out. The roof just cracks above you and starts falling in. But so does the floor. That, that hairline crack that was through in the floor suddenly cracks open the two halves of the concrete slab that was the base of it collapse inwards, and you can see that there's a hole, a pit underneath. And I think as each of you starts falling, that's probably a good place to leave this session. (laughs) Thank you for listening to episode one of The Meat Trade. Join us at patreon.com slash to continue the adventure. We have four more episodes posted and many more on the way. We also have a four-part Jeremiah prequel arc and several other one-shots over on Patreon. Most importantly, help support Ain't Slayed Nobody. Help us make season two of Y'all of Cthulhu. We have new equipment, we're trying to pay players, and publishing Y'all of Cthulhu bi-weekly is going to take an incredible amount of time and resources. We appreciate any support you can offer. 
patreon.com slash ain't slayed. My thanks goes to Scott Dorward, Rena Henzi, Graham Patrick, and the Patreon Posse. I am Cuppy Cup, not your keeper of arcane lore this time. Thank you and good luck out there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to Ain't Slayed Nobody. For ad-free episodes, lots of bonus content, and special programming, please join our wolf pack at patreon.com slash ain't slayed. Or subscribe to Ain't Slayed Nobody Plus at Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show more than becoming a subscriber. See our show notes for full credits, and help us grow by posting friendly reviews and spreading the word to your friends and followers. Thank you, and good luck out there. <laughs>